Section 13 of The Ocean A General Account of the Science of the Sea This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Ocean A General Account of the Science of the Sea by John Murray. Section 13, Chapter 8 Life in the Ocean Plants the term biosphere is now used by naturalists to designate that mantle of living matter which clothes the globe wherever the atmosphere, the hydrosphere and the lithosphere are in contact and intermingle. On the dry land, living beings do not rise very high above or penetrate very deep below the surface, but in the ocean it is different. Life is present everywhere throughout the mass of ocean waters, from the equator to the poles, and from the surface down to the bottom at a depth of six English miles. The visible rays of the sun penetrate the ocean waters down to a depth of over 3,000 feet, but even the actinic rays do not penetrate beyond 5,000 feet. This superficial layer, affected by sunlight, is called the photic zone of the ocean, and throughout its whole extent vegetable life is present often in great abundance, in the form of vast floating meadows of unicellular algae. Herbivorous animals feed on these minute algae and other plants, and the herbivores are in turn the prey of carnivorous animals, just as on the land surfaces. Beneath the photic zone, living plants are not present. However, the dead remains of the algae, which inhabit the photic zone, in falling to the bottom, supply food for animals in the intermediate waters, for those fixed organisms which catch the small organic particles as they settle on the bottom, and for the echinoderms and other invertebrates which crawl along the bottom and eat the oozes, muds and clays. These, in turn, are preyed on by the carnivores, which are also present. All marine animals derive their food primarily from marine algae, to which must be added the nutritive material carried into the ocean by rivers. Remembering the great depth of the ocean, that plants may function at a depth of 3,000 or 4,000 feet, and that animals exist throughout the whole ocean, we may conclude that the total quantity of living matter in the ocean greatly exceeds that on the land surfaces of the globe. As has been pointed out in previous chapters, the physical conditions in the ocean to which organisms have adapted themselves are most varied. Some marine organisms in the Arctic and Antarctic regions live the whole year round in water having a temperature below the freezing point of fresh water, while very closely related species in the tropics pass their lives in water with a temperature of 80 degrees Fahrenheit. The metabolism, the rate of growth, of digestion and of reproduction, is greatly retarded in the cold polar waters and accelerated in the warm equatorial waters. In the shallow waters, marine organisms must accommodate themselves to strong currents, to abundant sunlight, to rapid changes of temperature and salinity, and hold their own against many varied competitors and enemies, whereas in the deep sea there is no sunlight, a nearly constant low temperature, and no rapid currents, the general conditions being very uniform throughout the year. In the intermediate depths between the surface and the bottom, there are curious adaptations to twilight, to changing viscosity, depth, pressure, and to variations in other physical and biological conditions. The oceanic faunal and floral areas are indicated diagrammatically in figure 8, and may be briefly described as follows. 1. The photic zone is the superficial region of the ocean illuminated by sunlight, extending deeper in the open ocean and in equatorial regions than near land and in high latitudes. 
it is subdivided into the neuritic and the oceanic areas. The neuritic area surrounds all continents and islands from surface to bottom within the limits of the 100 fathoms line of depth. The waters of this area are much agitated by winds, waves and currents, and present great variations in composition, salinity, temperature and viscosity. They contain plants and animals, and a large proportion of pelagic larvae of benthonic animals living on the continental shelf. The nature of the bottom in this neuritic area likewise varies greatly, and may be composed of rocks, boulders, sands, marls, and muds. The oceanic area of the photic zone, being removed from the immediate influence of the dry land and of the floor of the ocean, presents great uniformity of physical conditions when compared to those prevailing in the neuritic area. Temperature, salinity, and viscosity vary with latitude, but the pelagic types of organisms are more widely distributed in the open ocean than in the neuritic area. Throughout the whole photic zone, chlorophyllous plants, mostly algae, are abundant and universal, while the animals of the zone are both herbivorous and carnivorous. 2. The aphotic, or deep sea zone, extends from the lower limit of the photic zone down to the bottom of the greatest deeps. Daylight does not penetrate to the waters of this zone, the sun's rays being almost wholly absorbed in passing through the upper layers, but phosphorescent light, produced by organisms, appears to play a great role throughout the whole zone. The temperature is low, except in some enclosed areas. There is little variation in the salinity and viscosity. The pressure varies with the depth, but physiological functions are little disturbed even by excessive pressure when once equilibrium is established within and without the organism. Living chlorophyllous plants, algae, are absent, and the animals are carnivorous and scavengers or mud-eaters. The bottom conditions on the floor of this deep zone are very uniform, with deposits of soft muds, organic oozes, and red clays. Rocks and stones are only occasionally present. The limit between the photic and the aphotic zone is deeper at the equator than towards the poles, and is the most interesting region of the ocean because of the change in the physical conditions which there takes place. Sunlight has there its limit of penetration, and in the tropics there is a great change in the temperature. On the bottom, currents and waves have little effect, and the organisms exhibit adaptations to these changed conditions in their colours, eyes, phosphorescent organs, and tentacular appendages. The mud line is evidently a great feeding ground, for at this depth the minute organic particles settle on the bottom, and in mid-ocean similar particles are much retarded in their fall by the great increase in the viscosity of the water, thus producing a sort of artificial bottom, which seems likewise to be a great feeding ground. In treating of the forms of life in ocean waters, it will be convenient to speak in this chapter of the plants, and in the following chapter of the animals. Plants in the Ocean Phanerogomic plants are represented in the ocean by the family Zosteraceae. Zostera marina, eel grass, is very common along the coasts of the Atlantic in sheltered localities with a soft muddy bottom, and in such positions this plant provides shelter for some distinct and characteristic species of animals, which live mainly, perhaps exclusively, in its vicinity. The vast majority of sea plants belong, however, to the algae. Owing to the vertical direction of the sun's rays, and their consequent greater penetration in the tropics, algae are found at a greater depth towards the equatorial regions than towards the poles. 
They differ from terrestrial plants in finding their nourishment dissolved in seawater, and this being uniformly distributed around them, they can take in food throughout the entire surface of the organism. They all possess green chlorophyll, that magician which, conjuring with the sunbeams, is able to build up organic compounds from inorganic constituents. The green chlorophyll is often masked by other pigments of a red, brown, blue or yellow colour. The algae may be divided, according to habit, into two main groups. One, those attached to the bottom, benthos, and two, those which pass their whole life cycle floating in the water, phytoplankton. And in accordance with their predominant colouring, they have been arranged in four groups. One, chlorophyceae, or green algae. Two, cyanophyceae, or blue-green algae. Three, phyophyceae or brown algae. 4. Rhodophyceae, or red algae. The green and blue-green species live in shallower water than the brown and red species, but blue algae, living in deep water, may become red, and red algae may become purple, green or yellow according to the amount of and exposure to sunlight. Attached algae. The attached algae include both brown and red and are found along practically all coasts, except in polar seas, where the rocks are scoured bare of all life by the grinding action of ice. The brown algae are the commonest and the most characteristic of marine plants, and are sometimes of great size, Macrocystis periphera of the southern ocean occasionally reaching a length of 700 or 800 feet. The common brown algae of the littoral zone belong to the genus Fucus, and immediately below this area at low water mark, the genus Laminaria prevails. Associated with these plants, there is, in each case, a special and different assemblage of animals. The famous gulf weed characteristic of the Sargasso Sea in the North Atlantic belongs to the brown algae. It is named Sargassum baciferum, and is easily recognised by its small, berry-like bladders. This floating weed is always destitute of organs of reproduction, and it is believed that it grows vegetatively, although this has been disputed. It is supposed that the older patches gradually lose their power of floating and perish by sinking in deep water. Attached forms of sargassum with reproductive organs have been found at Bermuda, at the West Indies, and on the coast of Central America. The floating masses of gulf weed are believed to be continually replenished by additional supplies torn from the coast by waves and carried by currents until they accumulate in the great Atlantic whirl which surrounds the Sargasso Sea. They become covered with white patches of polyzoa and serpulae, and quite a large number of other animals, small fishes, crabs, prawns, mollusks, etc., live on these masses of weed in the Sargasso Sea, all exhibiting remarkable adaptive colouring, although none of them belong properly to the open ocean. The red algae present two very different types. The one is soft and delicate, with extremely fine ramifications, like the polysiphonia of the English coasts. The other grows in round masses or without ramifications, always encrusted with calcareous matter. These are the corallines, nullipores, which play a great role in tropical waters, some forms, like lithothamnium, making up a large part of coral reefs, other species encrusting rocks and protecting them from erosion. They date back at least to the Jurassic period, 
and in tertiary times they built up a large part of certain geological formations. Floating algae. Turning now to the pelagic algae making up the phytoplankton, we find that these, unlike the attached algae along the coast, are all small, the majority being of microscopic dimensions. They are found floating everywhere within the photic zone in countless myriads, being, however, most abundant in the subsurface layers of this zone, and are of the greatest importance in the economy of the sea, for, with the exception of the fixed algae and matters carried down from the land by rivers, they build up all the organic substances upon which marine animals depend for food. The same rule holds in the sea as on the land, that all animal life depends directly or indirectly on vegetable life. The marine phytoplankton includes green, blue-green and brown algae. The vast majority belong to the brown algae, the blue-green algae being represented only by the oscillatoriaceae and the green algae only by Halosphera. End of section 13. Read by Luke Hamilton, Hobart, July 2022.